Hello, welcome back to ProTri News. Our goal here is to put a little microscope on the underbelly of triathlon, professional triathlon in general. Uh, a lot of interviews happen on podcasts, things like that, but we kind of want to go a little bit deeper, a little bit more on the, the sporting side. Uh, I'm joined today by Nostradamus, picking all the picking all the picks right, Pat Lemieux. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> the, uh, the Englishman, Mark Matthews. The ringleader, Talbot Cox, and the wonder kid, Chelsea Burns. We finally have a U.S. triathlon team that has been selected. Uh, I I can't even describe how excited I am to know who it is, so I'm not on the edge of my seat every weekend. Um, do we want us to talk about the team first, or should first, we go into whole talk? Before we dive into that, I'd just like to say something. We get a lot of messages, a lot of positive messages, and we get critiqued some as well. We are not trying to make everyone happy. We are; These are our own opinions, and we disagree with each other in our group text. We disagree with other people. Other people disagree with us. This is just an opinionated talk show, just like what you see on ESPN or Sky News Network or whatever it is. So we just want to let everyone know out there, we don't mean any harm on anyone. Uh, we just want to talk about our opinions um, in triathlon and racing. Like I said, at the start of the show, we have a group text that we all discuss things on. So if we offend someone, we're sorry. We're not trying to be super PC here. We are just talking about our opinions um, and if people want to prove us wrong, they prove us wrong. And if you want to jump on the show sometime and maybe tune in, if you're a professional athlete, want to give us your thoughts on races, how they went as well, we are more than welcome to bring on guests. As you can see, we brought on other people to that have more knowledge in the sport. So with that being said, let's dive right into Halatuka. Which I don't even know. No, dude, Talbot, you guys, we got to talk about the USA team first. Yeah, just, I mean, I don't even think we even need to talk about that. I mean, at the end of the day, let's hit it. Tyler won, which just sets him up for, it was very hot race. He races good in hot conditions. This sets him up for Tokyo. That's awesome. Next. Um, and I don't mean that in an insulting way to anyone. And Chelsea called that, though, didn't she? Chelsea called that win. Yeah, so thanks for kudos to Chelsea. That, Mark. No problem. Yeah, and I think, you know, I do think we want to note on Tyler's result. Um, Matt Sharp was glued to him, like stink on poop. That seemed to me as a rehearsal. I, th- I believe that we'll end up seeing Matt Sharp named to the Canadian team to be Tyler's domestique. So I believe while Tuco was their rehearsal, it looked like Matt did his job. He came off into transition running with his shoes on. Um, plan to see that in Tokyo. He did almost ride to his rack which could be scary if there are four domestiques to do that in tokyo yes and then also last but not least uh i think we all we mentioned on the last podcast team usa lost their third slot in this race which was critical um well you can argue that there's a hundred different things at the end of the day it was an overlook and a miss sight from team usa injuries and all that have a play into this it was very unfortunate and we'll dive in. Yeah, let's just dive into the Olympic team uh, that was announced today. So today, Team USA. We gotta say who the woman winner was. The woman's winner was. I'm not gonna let you say it because I don't think you Alberta Kaya. And I think there just we go. An interesting, an interesting little snippet on her before we get to Pat and the USA team. We go back to USA Focus. We got sent this by a pro, and it's it's really quite interesting. She's hugely talented, and actually, it turned out she had a surgery on her hip last year to. Uh, 
to deconstrict an artery to allow blood flow. She'd been having severe pains for about 10 years. And now she's been on an absolute bouncing roll and ran a 1656 off the bike. So let's not wow. forget that name in future podcasts. She's run you know, oh, wow. nine flat for 3K. I was informed that is by someone else too. So a talented, yeah, she, young. Yeah, so let's just, we'll, we'll pick her for future races and we'll seem knowledgeable and foresightful, etc. That's right. Nice, nice. Um, Team USA, uh, of course, your automatic qualifiers were Morgan Pearson, Taylor Nib, and Summer Rappaport. The big two wild cards, which we had lost a male slot, which we kind of saw that coming. Uh, Chelsea notified us recently of that. Uh, they selected, they went with Kevin McDwell and Katie Zafiris. So let's jump right into the men's first. Um, kind of, uh, Chelsea, what are your thoughts on why they selected Kevin? I know you've had tons of conversations with him, and you're actually with him now essentially i am i tried to get him in here to say a few words but he's on a he's got a busy day of calls it's hard to be an olympian you become very busy overnight no but yeah i think um it was a obviously a super hard call for the men's and the women's i think kevin most likely got the edge because of the relay usa triathlon knows that that relay is something they need to target and i think they're their decision was probably down to between Kevin McDowell and Matt McElroy, and they just gave him the nod for um, just being a dependable relay athlete. Relay athlete, he's always up there on the swim, and um, went and proved in Watoka that he could come off the bike nearly first into transition two, which is something they need. So it was obviously not an easy decision, but I think he's a very solid pick for a good relay and also someone who could potentially be just looking out for Morgan in the main group in that individual race as well. Pat, you have anything on that? Um, I want to ask the question, Chelsea, and just say, you know, Australia was celebrating that they've got this third spot. Um, is USAT on the hook for lose, for losing the third spot? And are they, and, and, and are they bummed about this? And I want to talk about not only like, how it looks, and then to the result on how this affects metal potential. Yeah, I could I could talk to you all day about this. I think um, at the end of the day, it doesn't look great for them. I think that someone's fault, someone has to be at fault for being seemingly confident about having those three spots heading into Yokohama, which was the first week, race of this five-week period, and then fast forward to late Leeds, where it's pretty alarming oh wow we're gonna lose this and I think Talbot mentioned that they did lose it in Otoko but I would argue that they lost it in Leeds I think that's when Aaron Royal jumped ahead of Eli um and that was all to to that disqualification that happened retroactively the Japanese athlete so someone at USA Triathlon probably should have been making some earlier decisions on when and how to race their men I know that they wanted their men to go prove themselves at sprints. I think Watoko was a really important for them to see how they go in the heat in a sprint race. But I mean, yeah, it's I mean, so this isn't this isn't a new problem for them, correct? Where back in twenty twelve, uh Jared Shoemaker and Matt Charbot earned the two spots, but they were jumped by Hunter Kemper and Manny Huerta, who had better performances on the selection days. Um yeah, I mean, this, it's this easy, is, this is, it's easy yeah, to I'm, fault someone like 
we're all looking at like, oh, Eli, why didn't you go race? But it's not. He had no incentive. He had no incentive to race. I mean, USA Triathlon actually took away ranking incentives in their funding criteria after 2018. In at the end of 2018, it was possible to earn national team funding by being ranked a certain place in Olympic rankings, and they took that away. And I think as soon as they did that, they made no incentive for someone like Eli to go preserve his spot in the top 30. And I think that was a big component of why they did lose that spot. So I think they definitely need to take a step back and see what went wrong here and definitely make some changes. So, Chelsea, does this all does this all come down to a funding issue? Is it we're trying to budget and save money and we're trying to withhold? With, with that being said, do you think that that's one of the reasons why we lost it? I don't necessarily think it's saving money. I think it's just deciding how that, just deciding how to allocate it. I think they're not necessarily funding a ton more athletes if they if they incentivize being ranked yeah. in the top ten or twenty the, of the Olympic rankings. It's the biggest problem, yeah, the biggest problem where they were exposed, right, is they they always the criteria that they write for the women isn't the same that it needs to be for the men is ultimately what it boils down to. So if they were paying ranking bonuses, they were going over budget with the women because they had six, seven, eight women inside the top 30 and they're going outside of it with the men because there's the men aren't as competitive. So I think... Historically, yes. Historically. I mean, personally, I can tell you at the end of 2018, I was ranked extremely well in Olympic rankings and did really well with USA Triathlon funding as a result. And the year later after that, they took away that. And so... I mean, they were overfunding me, potentially, as someone who made it very high in the Olympic rankings, but weren't giving anything to the guy. So, yeah, I agree. It's it's hard to have the same... Hard, it's hard. It's hard. Wins. It's challenging to write one policy that that goes to two different people, or two different sets of people, I think, ultimately. Um, and, and the 2016 team, I, I will say, the 2016 team probably had one standout in Ben Canoe, and then two kind of, like, don't really know. And then this team had probably three kind of standout, well-rounded athletes. So I feel like this team is probably the one that deserved that third slot rather than the 2016 team, in my opinion. I would agree with that. I think, uh, yeah, I think that it's just USA Triathlon didn't quite realize what was going on until too late, and I think yeah. that they're yeah. going to so realize that now. What would, be in an unfo- what would be in an unfortunate event is if somebody had brought this to John's attention and he ignored it. And so I don't actually know if any, the problem is, is I don't know if any of the stakeholders are upset with John Farah, the high performance director for not getting three men to the start line. And I think what I saw was Australia celebrating three men going to the Olympics. And I saw that more, they were celebrating that three men were going to get to participate in the Olympics. And I'm not sure if they're viewing that as there's going to be two men to support a gold medal at the Olympics. So I think it's very different. The U.S. only get funding. They don't get funding to have three men go to the Olympics. They get funding to win a medal. And so their medal contender already qualified. He was he had earned that spot, so maybe they stopped caring after that. Yeah, but I think they certainly see themselves as a relay medal contender. And, I mean, Australia would certainly have played this very well. They do have the advantage of having their... Uh, yeah, continental champs. championships. We didn't have one of those. USA Triathlon, yeah. obviously, though, did have an opportunity to fight for having one of those earlier in the period. I mean, they're having it, I believe, in Long Beach. Had they moved it a month earlier, maybe we could have had a race with more points available. And I just don't know if that was a priority for them. But and lastly, before we jump on to the woman, real quick, 
I just want to compliment Kevin. Kevin has uh, chased this Olympic dream since he was a little kid. I actually remember myself being at a uh, race with Kevin when he was back on Multisport Madness when Keith Dixon kind of uh, funded and ran that entire thing. So hats off to him. I mean, Kevin's probably one of those people that started as a junior that went through all the youth racing, the junior racing, was one of the first ITU teams in America. So hats off to him and to all of his old training partners and all that. Uh, Kevin's literally living the American dream uh, that he's wanted to do his entire life. So congratulations, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. Another, another note on Kevin, he actually made a coaching switch um, not too long ago and is just so much happier. And I think that owes a lot to that coaching switch that came at a really critical time. So yeah. Who's his also, coach, right? Who, who's- lastly on that, his coach is... Kevin had uh, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer in 2011 when he was was he a U23 athlete then or was he still junior Chelsea you remember that uh, he would have been a junior I still I believe yeah I, I remember all this and so 2011 he, uh, he was 19 2011 yeah so. in 2010 he went to the Youth Olympic Games yeah so. Congratulations for beating all that uh, incredible story and can't wait to watch him on the start line. His new coach is Nate. I don't know his last name. He's Flora's coach. Got it. Big Nate's yeah, got yeah. two Big athletes Nate. at the game. Congrats. Yeah, right on. All right. Uh, on to the women's. Uh, Taylor Nib and Summer both uh, auto-qualified. The uh, decision kind of came down to Katie, Taylor Nib, Katie Zafiris, Taylor Nib, and Taylor Kirsten. K- yeah. Sorry, Taylor Spicey, Katie Zafiris, and Kirsten Casper. Um, there was a lot of talk. Uh, everyone kind of uh, was very unsure on it. Taylor has been extremely, Taylor Spivey has been extremely hot. Uh, we see her about her all in all of our comments. A lot of people feel that she got robbed of the slot, but do take into account uh, if they would have selected this team in 2020, the most dominant athlete in 2019 that met all the criteria was Katie Zafiris. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Chelsea? Yeah, this was this was a hard pick. I think that they also, USA Triathlon also, didn't ever foresee both of their automatic slots going to potentially not their um, two best athletes. So they were left with this really, really hard decision in the last moment. I would argue that Zafiris and Spivey are maybe your two best relay athletes, and unfortunately... They had to select between one of them. Um, but yeah, I think it's easy to see that Spivey did get robbed. I think we would all agree. She raced for any other country in the world. She would be at the Olympics going for a medal. I think that it's really hard for... It was going to be really hard either way that it went. And um, yeah, Katie was the world champion in 2019. Um, 2020 was obviously a strange year. USA Triathlon actually wasn't even looking at any 2020 racing in their criteria of selection. I mean, it's hard to block that out of your mind. I think we all saw what happened. And then obviously the 2021 racing didn't exactly look good on paper for Katie, but I think at the end of the day, they saw an athlete that can be a world champion and an athlete that um, is an amazing relay racer. So they had to go with her. I think Taylor Spivey has consistently proved to USA Triathlon that she is going to be in the race every time. She's going to consistently be top five. But she maybe didn't show that she can medal on the biggest stage. And yeah, they they took the bold choice rather than the safe one, hoping that Katie's form will improve um, after her her rough spring she's had here. But 
So the criteria was set pre-pandemic. So it didn't change based on them not having any races last year. They had races, but it was not the Olympics, obviously. So if the pandemic never happened, then Taylor would have ob- or Katie would have obviously been selected way before. Yeah, and I think we can also see there was two races for them to automatically qualify on. I think both of them were extremely capable of earning an automatic selection, both in Tokyo in 2019 and Yokohama this year. Neither of them met that criteria, which, I mean, it's it's it really stinks. But, um, yeah, they were looking back from March 2019. All those races happened in 2019. Katie was obviously a glaring choice at the end of 2019. It's hard to argue with that. And then they did have a few opportunities in 2021 to look at. I think they looked at circumstances as well and ended up deciding that Katie was going to be their choice. Um, yeah, I mean, we could we could talk about this all day, I yeah. think. It's a, it's a, it's a, here's, the, here's the thing, too, guys, and this, this is what happened with Australia in 2016. Um, they picked Aaron Densham, who didn't perform but had performed at a previous Olympics as a medal contender. She was a bronze medal. Um, one thing when you look at t- Katie Zephyrus's statistics right now, 12 WTS wins. So essentially what they look at is, I'm assuming what they do is, if you did not earn qualification by uh, on the day in either Tokyo or Yokohama, they're not looking at who got the best result otherwise. They're not looking at fourth place. They're throwing the rest of the race out. So then they go and look at a body of work. Katie has the most impressive body of work. And they're looking for somebody that can win a gold medal. And unfortunately, when you line those two up, um, Taylor has had uh, the last year and a half for her has been significantly better than Katie's. But you cannot ignore that Katie has got 12 wins, 30 podiums in 60 world triathlon starts. And and not only that, um, one thing that uh, Chelsea, we had talked about earlier is they, they might not be picking Katie and Kevin uh, or just for the individual gold medal. They could easily have selected them and said, look, proven your results, you're not the hottest um, at individual right now. I mean, I'm not saying they did say this, but we would like for you guys to put a 100% all of your eggs into the relay basket. Do you see that being a possibility for Team USA? I definitely see that for the men. I think that that could be a real a possibility for the women. Katie has obviously demonstrated uh, just being brilliant at a few relays. I think they could have made the same case for Taylor. She's been amazing at relays too. I think that I would have to believe that they do believe in Katie at least enough in the individual race to, um, yeah, just put money behind her for an individual medal threat though too. So I don't think they're doing that for Kevin McDowell though. Yeah, no, nice. Well, let's let's move on to the other countries that are qualified. Uh, we had posted earlier on our uh, Instagram about uh, Spain, Team, team Spain, uh, which they went ahead and selected Fernando Alarza. Javier Gomez, Mario Mola, and then on their woman's side, I would say it, but I would totally butcher their names. Um, do you know? Do you know them, Chelsea? I sent them. Oh, I sorry. Sent it to you. I spaced out for a no. second. The women's no, Spanish no, picks. Good. Yes. Miriam Casillas and Anita Godoy. Yeah. So, and then as well as Norway, uh, 
Mark, you know who they selected for Norway? Me? Do I know who they selected for Norway? Yeah, do they do you know who they selected? <laughs> you're the closest. You're the Mark. You're the closest to Norway right now. I mean, yeah. geographically, you're our Norway guy. Okay. Yeah, geographically, geography. maybe, but yes, absolutely. I'm going to Mark now, our Norwegian correspondent, Mark. <laughs> what? I've got no idea. I would can make some wild guesses for you. Um, I would note they're having Australia bashed uh, last week, and Talbot rightly uh, put a put a clause up front about that. So thanks, Talbot. Um, is am I right in thinking Australia are the only ones with three men and three women? They're the they're only correct. country in the world. Yeah. So kudos no to Australia. It's kind of that. surprising that kind of surprising that France doesn't have three men and three women, but I, I don't know that they have a a third men. They actually that had a pretty is... good shot for a third woman spot, but their athlete who was po- poised to get it crashed out, and I think it was Lisbon, and they lost that chance. Yeah. So, sorry. Who do we who do we think is going to get the remaining two spots for the women for Australia? Are they? Is it going to be Natalie? Emma? I really hope Natalie gets it. I've yeah, always I, been a fan of Natalie. I think they're going to look. I think they're going to look at Emma Jeffcoat um, for the relay, and then I guess. That third one seems pretty wide open. My, who's the, my who's pick, the automatic? So it's Ashley Jenner right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only my one that's auto. I think, I think it's got to be. And Jazz Hedgeland would be my guess. Yeah, sure. Because Jazz earned that slot whenever she won the um, Conti Cup this last weekend. I feel like. In my well, she, put, she didn't earn the slot. She put her hand up to be an obvious pick. Uh, you know, she did. Because she won. She stayed in the top 32. I think that they probably see her as a really promising relay athlete yeah jeff coat could be a great domestique though for um ashley gentle who we haven't seen much of lately so yep we'll get into that more as we're as we and, get ready for the and Olympics. Nor- norway selected christian blumenfeld gustav eden your 70.3 world champion um and, and also casper storns and then for the woman's um lot miller lot miller who she crashed yeah she crashed in the velodrome this last week. Did you Broke see that? Broke her jaw. Oh. In a velodrome. Shoot. Yeah. I broke a jaw in a crit. It's nasty. Do they only have one slot? One Why slot are you racing a crit room, on a sure. velodrome? Yeah. Why are you racing a crit on a velodrome that close out to the Olympics? They were doing, they were doing uh, aerodynamic testing with oh, okay. suits, I believe, in Barcelona, and she crashed. It was an outdoor. I think it was like outdoor concrete velo. Like, oh, it was yeah. like that's not a crit, then, is it? Though. No, no, no right. Just training on the velodrome. <laughs> All right, let's dive into the PTO race this weekend, which we won't spend too much time on. Uh, not because we don't care about it, but just because there was hot topics this weekend, and um, Tom Davison won it. Yeah, it's look at the rest of the results. It was an interesting one. It's one of these PTO funded events uh, where they throw some money at a local organizer, not challenge, not Ironman. Um, unsurprisingly, Lucy Charles go women first, dominated the women. Uh, her and Lucy Hall absolutely decimated the swim. Uh, put best part of two and a half minutes into even Indy Lee, and they put four minutes into the rest of the women. Um, the and then Lucy Charles quite un, quite predictably ran away with it. Um, it, the interesting thing from the women's side, there's there's a bit of a rumblings of complaint that's gone in. So three pro athletes have put in complaints to British Triathlon, to the PTO and to the event organiser over Lucy Hall's drafting on the bike. Uh, apparently it was it was so blatant that there's been genuine outrage. And the, the argument is because of the PTO points, it has a longer term effect than just one race. Um, Ida wasn't there. Mm. All I would and say I'm is... Sorry. 
Go on. I'm sorry. Uh, who was she? Who was she? Was Lucy she Charles. Lu- she was so she got out Lucy the. Charles. She got out the swim with Lucy Charles, and then she was sat on Lucy Charles. I, I, I wasn't there. A lot of people have said very, very close. Um, but you know, uh, well, my my kind of base opinion on this is: if you can't appeal getting a penalty in a race, I don't see how you can appeal someone not getting a penalty in a race. It, I, I don't think you can do both. But there, there have been examples in the past of, uh, in the women's races again, where this has happened and a, a female athlete was given a retrospective penalty when evidence was presented. Um, we'll wait and see how that falls out. So that was the women's side. The men's side, um, Tom Davis got a win. And Tom Davis is one of these guys that races every other weekend. He's a, a very, very good swimmer. He got out in the lead swim group and he just survived to the end. Uh, two points of interest on that. One slightly sadder than the other. Um, Joe Skipper was given it social media beef before the race again. Essentially, Tom Davis goaded him and uh, joked that Joe risked getting caught in the swim by Lucy, who started 15 minutes behind them. Um, Joe bit and then that went backwards and forwards for a while. The thing is... Tom Davis is actually a lovely, very gentle-mannered guy. I just think he sees that this sort of entertainment sells. And then he backed it up with a win, so good for him. Uh, the other one was, there was a, a guy called Luke Pollard was in uh, second place, running for a guaranteed second. He guides um, the Paralympic team. And he got a real bad case of heat exhaustion. Um, as in hospitalised on a drip overnight in a real, real bad way. And as we all know, these things can take long-term effects on people. Heat exhaustion doesn't go away. So just thoughts to him. Hopefully he makes a speedy recovery from that because he was going really well. But that's, yeah, that's eating Dorney Talbot. Nice, nice, nice. And since we're on that, uh, Mark, let's 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 give a special shout-out to Max Newman, who did an incredible job at Ironman Cans. And uh, I, th- I, I think there was a bike comment that we got thrashed on because... I mean, I, I took a lot of flack from my uh, coverage of Ironman Cairns, and, and I listened to it back again, and do you know what? Quite rightly so. Um, I, I was trying to add punditry to the sport, which gives positive and negative comments, but clearly there's an art to doing that well that doesn't offend and is factually accurate. My big buy was actually not with Max or the men's side of the race. I got a timing wrong for um, Kylie Simpson. Um, so... Uh, in apologies to her, she actually ran an incredible 2.53 off the bike, which it doesn't matter how slow your swim and bike might be. If you can do that, you're a threat in any race. And, you know, we could see her being the net Max Hansen, Matt Hansen of the female world. So, yeah, hats off to Ironman Cairns and the criticism is welcome. We'll try you know what, though? Let's let, you know, we, we touched on this a little bit at the start. And I would say, you know, the biggest thing that we want to bring to the sport of triathlon, guys, is emotion. So for those listening, we are calling it like we see it. Sometimes you'll love it. Sometimes you'll hate it. Uh, we really appreciate the critiques and the criticism. And, uh, you know, Mark, I don't say if you got I don't think you got your your place wrong on cans, but you you can uh, acknowledge the delivery of it. So, yeah, that's off, hats off to you. And we're going to yeah. we're not from here on out, guys, we're not going to get it right every time. Um, so bear with us and, and let's have fun. But, yeah, we want to we want to bring emotion to the sport of triathlon. And we're doing yeah. it. Speak to yourself, Mark. And Patrick, I'm gonna be getting it right every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> every time. Uh, let's let's dive in. Also, this weekend, seventy point three Des Moines. Um, we have basically Paula and Holly and uh, Jeannie Metzler and Emma Palant Brown uh, heading head to head, which will be pretty interesting because directly after the race, Holly's racing one week later at um the Ironman seventy point three European Championship. Yeah, so. and Elsnor, yeah. 
Yeah, that will be that will definitely be a quick turnaround. Which there she'll be racing Lucy and Daniela. So I think Paula pulled off the start list. Paula La- last minute. Yeah. Okay. Well, Paula. So that was a kind of a surprise. So wow. That it'll be. It'll there. definitely be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, With Holly and Emma. Metz, Holly, yeah. Emma, and Jeannie. Yeah, Jeannie Metz is an, hey, an incredible runner. She'll be coming from the back of the field. Emma Pollant Brown has he, she's now coached by Tim Don actually, and her biking has come on an awful long way. It would seem she sorted her position out, so she's she's more than a one threat athlete. She was just a runner, I would say before, with no disrespect. And now I think she she can hold her own across the board. So it'd be good to see Emma take the race to uh, Holly at the front, and then um, we'll see if Jeannie can pull her usual soaring through the field. And Jackie Herring's in there. If she puts a good race together, she could be exciting too. And what do we what do we know about the what do we know about the course? I mean, obviously, I've been to Des Moines a bunch. Um, you've got it's thunderstorm season. There's massive exposure to wind, potentially yeah. roll undulating. Um, what do we know? What else? Do we- so it's a four lap bike course, but it's pretty flat. So it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be a break up through hills, or it's not very technical either. But um, the heat and humidity is is likely to be high this time of year. You guys are obviously yeah. outside of the pond, so you know better than me. But it's a pretty flat race. Um, I would take an honest course rather than a hilly course or a flat course from the look of sure. it. Sure. Yeah, and could 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 be, I mean, wind could be the biggest factor there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's one big hill on the bike around like 35 or something like that. And then there's like four little hills on the run. Yeah, I spent some time doing the data on best bike split. You could still ride pretty fast there, I think, overall. So we should still see some good yeah, fast yeah. times. In, in the men's race, it's not uh, too incredibly stacked. Rudy Von Berg pulled himself off the start list to focus. Um, I think he is actually already over in Europe. Jackson Laundry's racing. Joe Gambles. Uh, Britt McMahon uh, is not on the start list uh, from some kind of insider information. Uh, I'd heard from someone that he was not actually able to get into the country. He uh was trying to come over and i think that there's a lot of stuff right now still with covid from canada and all that and um with athletes probably a similar situation to what jan ran into coming over from daytona but i don't know if Brent has the same connections as jan Ferdino at the current given moment <laughs> so he wasn't able to get in so uh which also is a big cross off from the start list of quarter lane which we'll hit on next week but you were going to have the three Canadian Ironman greats, Brick McMahon, Cody Beals, and Lionel Sanders heading at it uh, head-to-head for kind of who's the best Ironman athlete in Canada, which Lionel who? is unfortunate. Lionel Ferdino? I mean, Sanders? <laughs> Your best I'm kind of upset that Brent didn't isn't able to make it because I, know. I, 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 I know. was looking forward to seeing him race. He hasn't raced in so long. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then on to the challenge race this weekend as well. Mark, is it Gdansk? What Gdansk. is the name of the race? And if you're a Xbox player, that's not Vedansk, though Gdansk does look a lot like that. Um, it, it is that sort of area of the world. Um, this is the race last year, isn't it, where there was the insanely fast bike split because the lead car was quite close to the front rider, I believe. <laughs> I do remember uh, that. I do remember that. Yeah, and he, he put down like... I don't know. I'm not going to pick out times again, but he he outrode some amazing riders by like eight minutes. So let's hope they've sorted the car situation out there. Um, it's a bit again mixed. Who's going to turn up? Pablo Depina is on the start list yet again. He's an absolute glutton for punishment. Um, he'll always be at the front of a race. Matt Trotman's on it as well. Cyril Venu. I'm just reading off your list as well. And then some of the guys are due to fly over from Eton Dorney. Um, the UK's had its lockdown extended again. 
And a couple of the guys that are due to fly over that race to Eaton Journey are also down to race Ironman UK. So if they leave the country, come back in, they might find themselves in a quarantine situation. And there's a lot of prize money at, uh, at uh, Ironman UK. So I think it might be a, a bit of a smaller field than we are expecting. Um, in the women's field, Lucy Hall's due to race again off the back of actually really quite a good race at Eaton Dorney, despite the drafting accusations. Uh, Sarissa DeVries, she's one of these that can really deliver on the day. Um, she's quite well-rounded. Um, and Lisa Norden's on the start list, as well as Judith Cochran Vaquera. But Judith raced that uh, PTO Spanish full-distance race, so we'll see if she's recovered from that. And Lisa Norden is also on the start list for Ironman UK. I tried to speak to Philip Seath, her coach, to see if they were flying over, but he played it coy. We don't know if they're going to brave the quarantine bubble. So it'd be nice to see Lisa Norton there to give it a bit of a big name lineup. But yeah, not a, not a huge race. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, let's, let's dive into hot takes. Uh, we, have, we have three good ones. First, let's start off with the first one that has started. Uh, we talked about it briefly in our podcast. Uh, Jan was looking for a challenge. Lionel uh, says, you know where to find me. And this has really kind of captured the media's attention. Um, They've battled back and forth on Instagram, and it looks like we might see a uh, head-to-head with uh, Jan and Lionel, whether it's at, I think some people are talking about maybe challenge Lanzarote, I mean challenge Ironman Lanzarote or something. Um, But Mark, what do you have to say about that? Oh, I don't know. I it doesn't excite me again it's it's hyping because they've got the two largest social media followings almost it's not you know i know he's your best mate talbot and i'm a huge fan but lionel's not the second best ironman athlete in the world at the moment i don't think i don't think he's shown that recently and that's controversial but it's not like we're seeing two (laughs) head-to-head titans that've won everything each go head-to-head i mean I'm not going to compare it to Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather um, <laughs> because Talbot will lose his shit. But um, it, it, it's not the two titans, you know? It's two social media hypes. And I, I, if they race Ironman Lanzarote, I don't know. They're great. But do you think... The only, the only loser of this whole thing that... The only loser of this whole thing is Cam Worth. He's, no. he's pretty butthurt that he's not involved in all this talk. He, he, he commented on something on saying it's incredible that I'm not involved in this and all that. Oh, gotta love yeah, it. Yeah, okay. it's exciting. Do you, do you I, think, lo- I love the hype. I love it. I do you think that we would see, though, do you think that we would let this happen, a Patrick Lang versus Jan Ferdino? Is that something do you think we would ever see, or would we never see that? Well, you'll see it in Kona this year. Let's wait for the real races where it actually matters. Ooh. Let's not go to Ironman, Lanzarote. And That's what I kind of feel bad about. You know, Ouch. let's not watch Jan wait for Lionel on a bike so you can have a sprint finish and then like put some prize money behind it. Come on, let's wait for Kona and let's see a proper showdown and see if Lionel brings it. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Collins Cup. Well, the Collins Cup's the real loser out of this whole thing. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. Lionel and Jan. And we gotta take it gotta, with with potentially sh- Sam Long from the US. We're, that would have been. We gotta take a shot. We mentioned Collins Cup. Yeah, oh, here we go. We said we All right. Next hot take, Chelsea, do we see Taylor Spivey getting very, very bitter about the Olympic selection process and quickly marrying Vincent Louis and racing for France in three years' time? (laughs) In three years? I don't think so. I think, I mean, I think Taylor is a... She's pretty good to make a U.S. Olympic team, one of the best in the world, and I think she's definitely an athlete to do it. I, I don't think um, she uh, needs to 
uh, switch countries to do that. Um, Sorry, and lastly, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, Sam Long, red dress. Mark, what's this all about? A redress. Uh, Sam Long's not redress. been wearing a red dress, Talbot, as He's far as I know. He's not wearing a red dress. He'd be wearing a pink great. dress, if anything. I was um, chatting to Kat about this, and I was thinking a lot on what me and Pat said about him racing Coeur d'Alene and it not being a good idea. And she made a really valid point that athletes race best when they're happy and they're motivated. And it's the same as training on a training camp. If he feels that he needs to do another one in order to be prepared to race Kona, you're looking at the, I was looking at the timing for it. He still has the best part of 15 weeks post this Ironman. And if it's gonna make him the positive athlete, and if he does go well, and that's the gamble, I could see this being a good idea. I've had my mind changed. I don't think he's an athlete that's fragile enough that this is the risk that we sort of portrayed it. And I don't know whether I could convince Pat that actually, if this gives him the psychological edge that he needs, which is maybe what he lacks, then I kind of feel a bit like we jumped the gun a little bit on saying it was a terrible idea. I don't know your thoughts on that, Pat. Um, well, I'm going to just go even one better and take it super hot, hot takes. I, I called Sam and I just said, Sam, what the hell's going on? Oh, and he, uh, he just said, he just said, look, man, here's the reason. Here's the logic for doing Coeur d'Alene. Um, I'm was fit. It? I'm fit. I'm ready. And I want to, I want to take a stab at it again. And I've got to learn how to not only race this distance, but win at this distance. Um, so it's going to, this is going to be an LSD experience for him. Look, search, discover. And uh, he's got to figure out how to win. I think the reality is here, and I don't think I'm over speaking for him. Um, what happens in quarter lane will dictate the St. George Kona double. I think he just said, you know, look, the reality is, is and I told him, he actually didn't even know that the run course in St. George was going to be harder, where you've got to do the hill twice. Um, and obviously we understand now it's going to be most likely a non-wetsuit swim. It's going to be super hot. Yeah. He said, look, St. George, if it was four or five weeks out, not a problem. He goes, but yeah, you got to look at what St. George did and then what happened to those athletes in Tulsa. So, um, you know, I, yeah. every time, every, every time we bust Sam, he gets on, he either comes on the podcast or him and I have a chat and then I leave the chat and I feel really enlightened and, and I go, you know, it I think, Sam, I think, I think Sam Long and his coach, uh, Ryan Bolton have got, have got a lot of this under control. And I think that they're looking at it and going, okay, you're 25. Like, is it a risk to do quarter lane? Maybe is it is it a bold is it is it something that you know you you have to take an opportunity to learn how to race that distance? He probably doesn't feel like he got a fair shake, and he's just like, if I could go back in time in Tulsa, and not do the first 10k too fast, man, I wish I could go get another crack at that. And he's probably got to just do an Ironman and just go out and go. No matter what's happening in the race, when we get to the marathon, I'm gonna run my race and see what happens. I think you could see this is what's going to happen, and I'm just going to say it right now. Sam Long's going to go off and win this race because Lionel's going for one thing, and that's to get a Kona slot. He's not going to go to the well to beat Sam Long whenever he's playing the long game of Kona and playing the long game of whatever the frick's going on with yeah, him and Yon Ferdinand's little secret race. Like, I don't, I, you're right, Carl, but if, if, if Lionel is really this, this, this doing this mature approach, I'm going to go qualify, I'm going to race Kona, you're not then racing Lanzarote against Frodo before it, and you're not doing silly challenges in the meantime. I, I will be amazed if Lionel, and I, I'd love to be proved wrong, 
if Lionel watches Sam go up the road and doesn't bury himself. No way. Talbot, you know him. Really? <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, of course it's Lionel not. Has no, no, it, it can't happen. It's, it's, it's actually impossible for it to happen. He can't for, do for, it, can he? he surely he an athlete it, like him. For There's Lionel no to turn, turn it off? No. No, no I, I don't think it in a bad way, but I think no, that Lionel's think in... Lionel is in the best shape. He decided, though, we all looked at this, he decided to not go race Tulsa because he had a plan. Lionel's in incredible Ironman shape right now. I think that we've all seen Sam swim. Nothing against Sam. Something he's working on. We saw Lionel swim three to four years ago. It wasn't good. You can't come out of the swim four to five minutes down and compete at an Ironman event in today. And I want can I can I talk about a professional can I talk about a real triathlon swimmer acknowledging the growth that Lionel has had in his own swimming? Who? I'm not gonna. I'll just say it. Whatever. Aaron Royal called me and said, "Pat, I can't believe how much better Lionel's got at swimming." He goes, "It just seems like yesterday I passed him at the Island House doing the backstroke." And, uh, <laughs> you know, the second lap of the swim, he's like, he goes, I'm, I'm blown away at how much better he's gotten at swimming. So hey, I'll, I'll back him up. I swim with Lionel all winter. The guy got so much better. Oh, yeah. I did you the, uh, there, I did the cone of practice him. swim. Yeah. I did the cone of practice swim. And at the halfway boy, I realized that big cross tattoo. And I was beside Lionel at the bloody cone of practice swim. And now it's ridiculous. His improvement's incredible. Yeah, so so to answer the question, I don't it's going to be a long day for Sam to catch Lionel and we'll see what happens then, but I don't think that Sam will see the front of the race. Here here's the thing. There. Obviously, obviously Sam's frustrated. Like Sam's a better biker than what he um, showcased in Tulsa. So I just don't think he's looking at it. And, and Mark, I saw that. I think maybe just emotionally he realizes that he he got caught up in this yeah. They're drafting me. They're sitting on, and he's like, yeah. "That's not. If that happens again, I'm I'm going acceptance mindset and not victim mindset, and I'm going to plow forward. And if ten people are on my wheel, great. If nobody's there, great. But like, he probably is reflecting on Tulsa and going, that performance is not indicative of where I want to be. I I got to try again, and here's where I can try again. I've already qualified for Kona, and I'm 25 years old. Like, yeah, I I want to take another shake at it. Awesome. And Mark, can you race Ironman off emotion? Can you race it off emotion? Yeah, like when you're mad and bitter, or is it just you too can't long ever? Ago? You never can. You never can do that. No, I, I it doesn't matter Ironman, if it's Ironman. Maybe, or, like maybe you yeah. can do it on a weaker field where you don't have to be tactical. You're just slogging away at your own pace, and you're just just smashing it down. But I can't see an emotional approach in a modern big field Ironman ever working out for you because people will take advantage of it. And they, they did that in Tulsa to Sam, and he's a phenomenal athlete that doesn't need that. And Talbot, let me clarify for you, there's two different things. There's a difference between anger and emotion. And I've, in my own racing days, I've won with channeling some anger, and then I've also lost a ton of races because you've gotten emotional. And I think that Sam yeah. looks at his race and goes, I didn't channel my anger, I let the emotion get the best of me. Yeah. All right, let's cut it off there. We got we got an episode next week to talk about this race. <laughs> final final hot take. We see Lucy Hall doing a bunch of these seventy point threes. Is she lining herself up to race seventy point three worlds? We finished our last podcast with Flora racing seventy point three worlds. What are the odds we see a bunch of these ITU athletes coming over to St. George and sticking it to uh, the Jeannie Metzler, Lucy, Lucy Charles? 
Yeah, sorry, Lucy Hall. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, she's, she's, she's already, her. she's already made that jump. Yeah, she's made that jump, and she's, um, her running, massive respect to the way she swims and rides. She, she's, um, she's no podium threat the way she's running. But do you moment. see her? What I mean though is, do you see her pulling Flora up, up the road where then Flora could just ride away from everyone? I, I mean, see I see her. Not pulling her. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, no, Jesse. in the but it yeah in the swim though. In the like swim, in the swim. I mean, I just I think I, th I think what they ah. I think I think what you're seeing ah. obviously is there's just so much horsepower. If horsepower gets added to the front of the race, obviously it would help somebody like Flora do 70.3 worlds. I think uh, Flora is the the biggest threat to 70.3 worlds, but it's no secret that like after the Olympics, if if she wins a gold medal, she'll be a threat to win 70.3 Worlds because she's going to have a massive when, high. When she wins a gold medal. When she yeah. wins the gold So, yeah. it, when she wins a gold medal, she'll be a, a massive threat for it. And I think that there's also, like, the other side of just, like, if you don't, it's, you know, the Olympics are tough posts for athletes that, um, that didn't get what they wanted. All right, I'm going to call it right here. June 16th, Flora Duffy wins 70.3 World Championship. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> what was that, Chelsea? I said, and the Olympics. And the Olympics. I can't. I can't. I can't be. Tell, but I think there's a few people you've called for seventy point three world wins already. Not on the female side. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. I mean, look. I, I'll. I'll second that, Talbot. June sixteenth. I'll second that. I'm sticking with your original Pat. Pat, your original Olympic call. My Olympic call for the women's race. I think she then goes on to win the seventy point three. No way, dude. She's going to have a fourth baby at that point. One, you guys <laughs> have six Olympic picks. You guys have one month. We're not doing them right now. Oh, We're not doing Morgan right Pearson, now. Flora Duffy. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> I can't Alex believe you could have picked against. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm, I already told Talbot this. I said Javier Gomez is going to go win a gold medal, and then he will be one of the most decorated until he wins Kona. And then he will go down as the most decorated triathlete. Is that That's you a picking wrap. Gomez that for a gold in Tokyo? Yeah. Yeah, you're with oh. me, Kyle. Hello, is this the course director for Tokyo? Are there cones on your course? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Pro Try News Podcast. Once again, we are not the PC Podcast. We are sorry if we offended anyone this week on our episode. Um, we hope you enjoyed the show. This one we recorded pretty quick. We're going to push it tomorrow, so it'll come out a day early. If you like the show, uh, please share it with your friends, your family, even your mother. And maybe, just maybe, they might become a triathlon fan. Thanks a lot. <laughs>